Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. Can I just tell you, I love getting messages from all of you. I love it. Send me messages when you have an episode that really speaks to a challenge or a problem or speaks to something, please send me a message. I had so many messages from listeners who enjoyed the episode a few weeks ago about things that I learned as a manager that I wished I knew as a paralegal. Thank you for those. So I thought, since I talked about billable time entries last week, then it might be a good time to talk about billable hours this week, but take a deeper dive. And let's call it Bill Blowers from a management perspective. Why? Because your billable hours matter more than you think they do. If no one else is going to talk about it and tell you the cold hard truth, then I will. Okay, don't shoot the messenger here though. <laughs> I want to give you the knowledge I wish I had back when I was a paralegal to help you fast track your paralegal career. And I'm telling you, one surefire way to fast track your paralegal career, if you're working in a law firm that has a billable hour requirement, is to exceed that billable hour goal year in and year out. One way to put your job at risk, consistently don't meet or even come close to that billable hour goal year in and year out. Now, I touched on it briefly in an earlier episode, but given the feedback I received, I think I need to go deeper on this topic. Your billable hours matter more than you think, and not just because you might not be eligible for a bonus when you don't hit that annual target. They matter because of your job security and your salary. So let's unpack that. Wait, before I do that, I want to make sure you stick around for this whole episode because this is super important. If you're like a lot of people listening, you might be thinking, This doesn't really apply to me because I work at a law firm that's super chill about billable hours. They tell us they'd, quote, like us to bill as much time as possible, maybe 1,200 hours per year, but none of us ever hit that number and no one's been fired for that reason. You should still listen to this episode because unless you're planning to retire in the next year or two, billable hours, or the lack of them, could impact your career in the future. How? Well, first, it's probably already impacting you in your paycheck and you don't even know it. I say this because I don't know many firms, regardless of their size, that can afford to pay paralegals at or above market rates when their paralegals are billing less than 1,500 hours per year. I've been running those numbers for 20 years, and I'm telling you, when I walk into a law firm or I'm on a Zoom doing my billable hour training, and they tell me that their annual target is 1,200 hours, then I immediately know one of two things to be true. One, either those paralegals are on the low end of any paralegal salary range, or two, 
if they're making good money, then the firm is losing thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on those paralegals. Maybe you're lucky enough to be in situation number two and you're paid at or above market and it's the firm who's losing money and good for you, but it can't last for long. Let me explain. Your law firm is a business entity. It's not a nonprofit. It's not out there just doing good for the world. When that business entity comes on hard times, the first thing they're going to do is what every single business entity in that situation does. Look to cut their expenses. It's natural for any business to do that. They have to. It's a business decision. You know who they're not cutting? The paralegal down the hall who's not an expense because she's billing 15 or 1600 hours a year and is profitable to the firm. She's generating enough revenue to cover all of her direct overhead, plus she's contributing to the firm overhead and still has some profit left for the firm. She's got job security. Okay, I know that might ruffle some feathers with a statement like that, but please hear me out. Stick with me on this. I'm telling you this because no one else is saying it out loud. It's like the dirty little secret or something. Well, unless you work at a really large firm because they're usually a little stricter about meeting Bill Blower goals and they don't let it go for long with someone who has low Bill Blowers. They address it throughout the year. They don't just wait till the end of the year and hope for the best. Most of them. One other thing I'd add about the salary being affected by your Bill Blowers is the other end of the spectrum. Let's say you're the paralegal who's consistently exceeding that annual billable hour target. Forget about bonuses because not all firms give bonuses for hitting the target. But even if you're not in a bonus situation, it can have an impact on your salary. Here's how. As a paralegal manager, it was so much easier for me to get a larger than normal raise for a paralegal who had high billable hours. Now, it wasn't just a numbers game. I'd run the profitability numbers, which included realization and productivity. I'd have it all in a spreadsheet and be able to go talk to the CFO and justify why paralegal X should get a 5% raise instead of the firm's standard 2% raise. I know a 3% difference doesn't sound like a lot of money, but add that up over a few years because it's not just the one-time raise. It's that next year's 5-6% to 6% raise is off of the higher salary from the higher raise last year. Let's say you've got two paralegals who both have the same level of experience, education, etc. And they're both starting at the firm at the same time and both of their starting salaries are $70,000. At the end of year one, paralegal A gets a 5% raise based in part on their billable hours and exceeding that number, that billable hour target number. Notice I said in part. That's because the raise also depends on that paralegal's performance reviews from the attorneys. So it's not just like, oh, they exceeded Bill Blowers, but they're a crappy employee. <laughs> so let's say that paralegal A starts at 70000 gets the 5% raise. So now paralegal A is making seventy three five. Paralegal B only gets the standard 2% raise and now is making seventy one four. The next year, the same thing happens. After paralegal A's 5% raise, she's making 77.175. And yeah, I did pre-add all these numbers so I wouldn't be punching the calculator buttons while I was doing this. 
So paralegal A is at 77175 at year two, year two at the firm. Paralegal B, with that 2% raise again, is at 72,828, right? One's at 77, 175, and the other one is at 72,828. Look, I could go for another year or two with those calculations, but you get my point. At the end of year two, paralegal A is already making almost $5,000 more per year than paralegal B. What do you think that gap's gonna be by the end of year five? And you might be thinking, like other people do, they've said it to me, well, wait a minute, Anne. I don't have any control over the amount of billable work that the attorneys give me. I'll tell you, I hear that, I want to say, at least 100 times a year inside the Bill Blower Boot Camp. Most of the time, if it's the firm paying for groups of people to come in. Because I think most paralegals who take money out of their own pocket to take the Bill Blower Boot Camp already understand that they want to fix something. But I hear that all the time. And I don't have any control over the amount of billable work that the attorneys give me. I'm sorry to have to say this, but you do. I see it every single day, and I've been seeing it for decades. There are absolutely things that you can do to increase the amount of billable work that you receive from the attorneys. I'll never forget when I first started as a paralegal manager. My first month or two was spent trying to get to the bottom of why none None, not one of the 14 paralegals were meeting their annual bill bar target. When I sit down to talk to them, they all said the same thing. I don't have any control over it. I do the work they give me. I send them an email when I'm slow. What else can I do? So then I would go speak to each of those attorneys on those teams. You know what the attorney said? They said things like, every time I give him a project, the final product has errors. It's riddled with errors. So I only use them for last-minute emergencies when no one else is available. Or they'd say things like, do you want to see the last email I received from her? I can't have her communicate directly with the client when I receive stuff like this internally. Do you know what they didn't say? They didn't say work was slow right now and they didn't have any billable work to give to the paralegals. I truly hope that you know I'm only talking about this because I want to give you the inside scoop to help you. I want you to know that these things are things that maybe someone at your firm should be talking about but isn't. I think I was a little inspired maybe for this episode after interviewing Molly McGrath a few weeks ago. And it was about taking the risk of having courageous conversations at law firms. If you haven't listened to that episode after this one, go back and listen to that one. It was episode, let's see, I think it was 84. It was just a few weeks ago. If your billable hours are consistently low, maybe it's time to take the risk and have a courageous conversation with your attorney or attorneys and ask for their honest feedback on why they don't give you that many billable projects. Ask if it's something in your work product that could use improvement. Tell them that you understand the importance of meeting your billable hour numbers at the firm, and you want to do whatever you can to do that. And you know, I'd add in here, for those of you who are already enrolled in the Bill Blower Boot Camp, or, you know, especially if you took the money out of your own pocket to to take the course, I want to tell you, um, we had a coaching call a few months back, And one of the people participating, he purchased the course himself. And he did that after 
several years of management saying, you know, it's you got to do better, got to bill more hours. And he didn't know exactly what that meant or how to do it. So he finds the Bill Blower boot camp and he joins and didn't realize that what he could also do is proactively go back and talk to management, to HR and say, not only did I hear you, did I hear what you were saying and um, understand the importance of it? I also took proactive initiative and went out and found a course that's going to help me do that. I purchased the course. I spent $397 of my own money because I want to improve this area. That way, you've kind of given them a heads up. To me, if I was that person's paralegal manager or the HR person, and I had spoken to this employee a couple of times about getting their billable hours up, and then they came to me and said, yeah, I get it. I get the seriousness of it. I, I understand the importance of it. So much so that I went out and enrolled in this course so I could figure out what I could do to improve my bill hours. That's huge. And that's a little insight from the management side. And even if it's not the Bill Blower Boot Camp, if it's something else, just let them know that you are proactively seeking out help to be able to increase your billable hours. As I bring it to a close today, I want to add one final thought. Look, I was a paralegal for many years before I moved into management, and I feel for you. I never had a job description that said part of my responsibilities as a paralegal in that firm was to bill X number of hours per year. Everything else was in there. Help prepare for depositions, go to trial, draft pleadings, organize document productions. What did it say about billable hours? Nothing. In that regard, I do believe that firms could do a better job making it clear from the start that this is part of your job responsibilities, just like all of the other work that you do. Remember in the last episode, I talked about that, having a different mindset around your billable hours. Until I can get them all on board to do that, to actually put it in job descriptions, I'll be here giving you as much advice as I can to help take the sting out of billable hours and to help you fast track your paralegal career. Along those lines, as I'm finishing up this episode, I have that feeling I had when I was finishing up the episode on the things I learned as a paralegal manager that I wished I knew when I was a paralegal. It's that feeling of, Yeah, I need to let them in on some of this stuff more often in some of these episodes because I really, I enjoy it. I enjoy giving you the information and especially the behind the scenes things that I wouldn't have known ever, but for my position as a paralegal manager. So I'm going to do that more often here on the episode. So make sure you subscribe, follow, like, and Give the episode or the podcast show a review. Those reviews really help push the podcast out to other people. And the more people that download and listen and participate, the more episodes I can do. All right, let me know what you think about this episode. Bye for now. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast. 
and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.